say this top line is the best in the league? Yeah, we are. Nathan McKinnon! Oh, Captain! My Captain! Do you know the way to San Jose? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for March 13th slash 14th, 2021. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche are playing dominant hockey and barely getting rewarded for it. That, that's it, seriously. Joining me to talk about that are Earl 6 Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And Tyre Vixen. Hello, Jackie. Hello, hello. All right, folks. Uh, on today's show, you're not going to hear a whole lot from me after this. Because the online Avalanche fan spaces are aggressively negative about an Avalanche team that took 9 points out of its last 12 games, which would have been 10, if not for a goalie loss. They allowed 4 goals this week, and all of them were deflections off of Avalanche players. Since since the outdoor game, they lead the league in shot rates for and against, no matter how you measure it. They're 3rd in expected goals and 1st in expected against per hour. They lead in scoring chances for and against, but in the high danger areas, they've shot 10% in the last month. That's fourth worst in the league over that stretch. It's amazing how much more or less dangerous a shot looks based on whether it goes in the net. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is the story. Variants that won't stay this low forever, and some of it may be caused by a team with a blue line dominated by injuries playing high a lot to limit how much they give up, which has been incredibly effective. I'm just reminded of the time the Avs rode bubbles on either side of the ice to a first-round playoff exit, and Mike Kelly blasts out that the things the Avalanche do on the ice create those bubbles. And the next year, nothing changed, but everything normalized, and they stunk. That's what <laughs> some of these narratives sound like to me. So yeah, I'm going to let these two try to explain why things are going how they are, but I'm staying out of it because I'm tired. This has not been a fun week to talk hockey, and if you're not having fun watching grown adults play a kid's game for millions of dollars, what are we even doing here? So on Monday... <laughs> The Avs outshoot the Coyotes 35-14, to but the puck bounces in off their own players three times, and they lose 3-2. to Andre Barakovsky picks up a power play goal in this one, and Valdez-Hushkin adds another goal. What a tear that guy's on. Darcy Camper left this game early for no apparent reason. Did we ever hear what was up with that? No, uh, but he's, he's out, out for a while. while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lower body, probably, yes, either hip or groin. Yeah, it didn't have any impact on the game, really, but it was just like... Nothing seems to have happened, and now play stopped, and now there's a goalie change. What? Well, I mean, actually, Ranta came in and played fantastic because I think what the Avs had 16 shots on him after he came in, and you know, he which shut is kind of ridiculous. I mean, if you believe that they're getting goalied, that a guy that comes in in the middle of the period cold can just pick right up where the other guy left off. Yeah, I mean, Rant is a good goalie, and he, you know, he did play well again the next night or next game. So, you know, it, well, it's well, there are a lot not... of good outside San Jose. There are a lot of good goalies in our division. <laughs> outside <Yeah>. San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that that was weird, and. <sighs> I, you know, maybe I, I think, you know, you see a, a guy coming in cold and you're just like, ha ha. 
and maybe you just you know you don't you don't take the time to to wait for the right shot and and you know by the time you figure out that he's playing well maybe it's a little too late maybe um it it doesn't help that the coyotes and basically every team in the division play a style that's designed to that's basically the whole goal is help the goalie yeah i think that's also part of why it's difficult to compare this season to normal quote-unquote normal or what happened last year or things like that because you're they're playing in such a controlled environment with yeah only against your opponents each division has its own personality its own style like i said there's a lot of good goaltenders in this division and teams that play more defensive grind it out more even though you'd say there are a lot of t- there aren't a lot of top tier teams. A lot of these teams are decent defensively. Like Arizona is, LA's been a lot better this year, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it Anaheim, they can't score, but they do okay on the defending and the goaltending side, at least especially against us. You know, San Jose is probably the weakest goaltending and defense wise, but the Avs already played half their season series against San Jose. And it didn't help. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean they're three and one, so that's not bad. Yeah, it, it it's never oh. fun to go in to the against the team with like the worst goaltending in the division and just just go take a giant dump and on the win. ice. That's <laughs> it, yeah, it's like a challenge, and it's you know the pressure's on you. <clears throat> it's not even the the not win; it's to get out to a lead and declare good show and go home. Yeah, yeah, not be able to get more. That's the. I touched on it last week, but that was what was so disappointing about that game is, okay, sometimes you're going to have those back and forth affairs, but you have to be doing the back and forth part as well. Like that you could not score against that team after going up by two is, was pretty tragic. Yeah. But anyway, that was last week. Um, And this this week the the attitudinal adjustment seems to have taken hold because they're just locking everything down and like even with the two goal lead they're still just continuing to pepper the LA goalie last night but that's getting ahead of ourselves on uh, on Wednesday the Avs outshoot the Coyotes forty six to fourteen the puck only bounces in off their own players once and they pull it out in overtime two to one Gabe Landeskog with the game winner Brandon Saad with the other goal much more importantly for the Avalanche Nathan McKinnon returned to the lineup and put ten. 10 shots on goal. 10 in 24 minutes of ice time. 10. Yeah. This was probably was feeling the, it. the most frustrating game because yeah. they scored, what, three minutes into the game? And that was it. And it was, and, I mean, it was like a nice over- skilled goal, too. You like, or you're like, oh, cool. You know, it's like that wasn't just like <laughs> a ruckus in front of the net. You know, it's like, that was that was a nice pass and saw it with a nice shot. You're like, all right, good. This is you know, this is the kind of goal we've been waiting for. But that was you know, that and was then it. That was it. And then, <laughs> they, <laughs> and then they need to score in overtime, and that was a nice goal in overtime from Gabe. Yep. And um Boy, you would feel a lot different about this game if it had gone the other way though. Yeah, because yeah, I was ready to turn weird. it off when they tied it up. I was like, I've had enough hockey for one day because this is bullshit. Yeah. 
No, it's tough. And, and like, you know, technically they lost this series against Arizona since Arizona got an extra point out of it. And, you know, that just doesn't feel right with sort of where they are relatively in the division. And, and you know, I mean, they are directly competing, basically. <clears throat> and, you know, that just let, that left a bad taste in the mouth. Well, we did say last week when we were previewing this week that it, it was going to be hard to sweep them again. So to that extent, it's sort of what you would, you would have expected. But the other thing is they also seem to really play their best against Arizona. So those are the games that you, you have to win because all these other games are such a grind fest that you need yeah. to pick up those points against Arizona. And, and, you know, like we've been saying, there's a lot of grindy teams in this division, but, you know, we Brazilled Arizona twice in the playoffs in a row. So it's like, you know, and, and they haven't changed that much. And it, it, I don't even think they're that much, you know, better or worse. I, I really do think Arizona is pretty much the same team. And the, and the Avs are really, you know, other other than the way they play, they, they really haven't changed a lot either. So, you know, it's 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 tough to say, all right, you know, what where did they lose the key that they unlocked that series with last year or this fall? Well, I think Arizona plays well, actually. And then, like we also said, that they're, they have decent goaltending usually. But what undoes them is they don't have shooting talent. And no. I think that's how the Avs are getting away with things a little bit is because they're playing teams that aren't converting on their chances against us. Because Arizona... Well, I mean, if you, look at it, if you look at it relatively... You know, it's like the, the the opponents score in the Avs a lot more frequently relative to number of shots than the Avs do. Um, well, you can also but... add LA into it is that they got plenty of breakaways. They got plenty of chances that you don't want to, you, that you absolutely don't want to give up. And yeah, I and like we were, and you been... mentioned this last night, it looked like they were trying to open it up a little bit early on in the game. But well, the Avs were. I I don't know if it's necessarily that. It's that, well, L.A. in particular looked like they were trying to take advantage of the slow defenseman. That when Graves was out there, and he's out there more than Patteron and Renew, so I think they were picking on Graves a little bit. And especially and then when the other two were out there, they were trying to cherry pick. They're, they were just trying to chip the puck past them, knowing that they could be faster and get those odd man rushes and those those cherry pick opportunities. And I think that is a conscious strategy against the Avs right now with who they have on the blue line. And I, I think there's also the, the way that they've sort of focused on keeping the puck in the offensive zone rather than sort of being neutral zone warriors plays into that a little bit. Because when you when you get the you know when you get a turnover sort of high in the def your defensive zone, you have a lot more space to accelerate away from a slower defenseman. So it's a lot easier um, to get that needed gap for a breakaway. Because, you yeah, know, we, it, it, we see the abs like to play in the offensive zone high. And you're right. If you can get a turnover, all you got to do is beat someone like Graves trying to turn around and you have a breakaway. 
Right. All you need is a half step there because it'll be two, three steps by the time you get to, you know, the circles. Um, and that's, you know, that that's I, I realize kind of what what Jared Bednar is thinking with playing this way is, you know, you, you have some defensemen that are a little sketchy and, um, you know, you, it, it's a it's a solid way of thinking to try to play a heavy possession game to just not let the opponent shoot. <clears throat> um, but it's like that's you know that's the one thing you have to watch out for is that when you do give up that turnover you're you're going to have a little bit better chances on the rush for the opponents you know if if you're doing the same thing in the neutral zone there's just not the time or the space to uh create a gap like that and it, that's why i think that playing like that's a little safer but um well i, I can't think really, can't really argue with with what's happening I think what thwarted Arizona and LA is because they don't have the shooting talent to take advantage of that. And, and I think the abs in general have been playing well. I think after Bednar gave them their come to Jesus moment after the first San Jose game that you have to realize who's on the ice. You're not going to fly the zone. You're not going to get a tape to tape pass through the neutral zone. You have to come back and help back check. And I think they have. Oh yeah. And I think that's why a lot of those, breakaways that could have been real danger weren't converted into a goals or two even scoring chances for them because they didn't those teams didn't get a good shot off and also because the abs back checked well yeah they did i mean there's there you know there were a few breakaways last night but you know you saw like taves get back graves get back some of the forwards even and the forwards and... too like they were taking away the second chance opportunities yeah so and and we're going to get into a little bit more into the details of like how they're doing what they're doing um but there's the it's it's definitely true that the it's a very safe and conservative style that, that has one very major risk and that is it um but if we're going to start talking about LA let's let's talk about LA because there is definitely some stuff to talk about in this in that game um cuz the Avs outshoot the LA Kings on Friday 46 to 18 uh this time no pucks bounce in off their own players and they win 2 to nothing Miko Rantanen scores on a screenshot yeah. from miles away and then generously gives the empty netter to Nathan McKinnon Landeskog put a third puck in the net but the officiating crew which this was a Tim Peel joint so you knew something weird but technically correct was going to happen the officiating crew ruled Gabe had punched the puck in with his glove which looks true but is a dumb rule <laughs> I was actually pleasantly surprised by LA I, even though they were playing without Alex I follow they they didn't generate a whole lot more than Arizona but they did have they, they had a lot more pace in their game, and they did seem like they're at least trying to make stuff happen out there. And I think some of what you were just talking about with like the, the some of the just the blatant cherry picking attempts was maybe a little bit of it. But they were they were trying to open things up a lot more than either of the last two teams we've played we've seen. Well, LA has been playing better. Like I don't know if people just haven't been looking at the standings, but um, if LA had won that game, they would have been tied in the standings with the abs. So LA has been a lot better since we first saw them. Now, I don't know if it's playoff quality, but um, they're going to be hanging around probably for the rest of the season. So doesn't surprise me that they've kind of pulled it together. They look better. They can execute and things like that. Yeah. I called this at the beginning of the season. I thought Los Angeles was probably going to be, you know, the, the good team out of the the bad California teams, 
and, um, and then the season started, and they were not, and you looked real foolish, but now you don't look foolish anymore. So there you go. Yeah. I, I thought San Jose's forwards were better, but their goaltending just... They're not going to win with those goalies, so they're going to be buried for a while. Plus, they're big horses on defense aren't what they used to be, but yeah, Ole's been competent. They still have good players, and they are getting decent goaltending, and Dowdy seems to have got his shit together a little bit, so yeah, I better think that's key. Yeah, it's a slow start um, over there for LA, but they have definitely picked up the pace. And I, I mean, I think it's a good mix because, like, obviously Kopitar has been playing well, and and you know Dowdy has played better. Even Dustin Brown. <clears throat> yeah. And Carter um, and Brown have had good seasons. Although Dustin Brown yeah, was a beneficiary I... of a couple of wacky ass calls last night. <laughs> Did you know that if you skate into Pierre Edward Belmar while he's not looking and fall down, that's a tripping penalty on Pierre Edward Belmar? And the Avs could have <laughs> easily lost this game as. Good as they played, and they could have easily lost the second Arizona game too. I mean, when you're down to a minute left in overtime, like anything could happen. But this game in particular, it felt like they got to the third period, even though they were up by just one, it felt like they had control of this game. And then Peel just pretty much said, No, you don't. We're gonna yeah. you're gonna get a goal and we're gonna take it away. Which is frustrating because that's the exact kind of goal they needed. They just needed one of those deflection bounce crazy bounce type goals well, and they got it, and it you've not count. gotten your magic bullshit correctly i'm afraid then they called <laughs> two penalties against the abs in the third period i think the first one was on calvert i think it was which was kind of iffy but then he kind of drew an iffy one so i guess you could say maybe that's fair and then the whole yeah with what was it like about three or four minutes left Belmare skating through the neutral zone and just runs into a guy and he falls over. That's a penalty. <laughs> and they looked terrible at the beginning of that penalty kill. Like they were damn lucky. They didn't get scored on at the beginning of that penalty kill. And then Grubauer did make one really good save. And then Graves had a really good block and that, that into that power play, but they could have so easily, had it got the game tied at that point. And then LA's power play has also been really good. I think what, like fifth or sixth in the league or something. Yeah, I kept hearing really about how, how great the, the Kings power play has been. And so they did a really good job to keep them off the board. But when you give a team that only needs one goal, that many chances that late in the game. And then this was also after the abs didn't convert own, third period power play where you're just like I think the power play in general has been a little bit better they have scored I think I think they're in a stretch of like five over the last six games they got a power play goal so I get that you can't really ask for a ton more than that but you have to be able to score on your power play to put a game away at some point and that should have been this game it didn't happen then you give LA those their own power plays they were really on the verge of losing this game. And I don't think people realize that as dominant as they were, this could have easily been a loss. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely devolved into the peel zone for a while. Um, but I, 
I, I think you might be misremembering the power play because it actually they've only gotten two goals in the last five games. And yeah, that's well, that's I said before this. I don't think it was the last six, but I think they had a. They had a really good stretch before that. Yeah, yeah. They, they scored a power yeah. play goal, and I want to say at least five, maybe six games in a row. But that was like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> which isn't for lack of trying. Yeah. Like the power play has definitely looked better. It, they still yeah, have their moments been... where they'll spend a minute not moving, and you're just like screaming skate at the television, but. I think the games this week they they're back to not shooting on it. Yeah, which is and I think a problem. It, and I, I like that that Mac was giving advice to Ray Bennett on on what you know a, after sitting out a little while and observing from afar what he thinks they should do on the power play. And they tried it, and it I mean it didn't work, but um, you know. It was more fun it, to look at than static power play number five hundred. Well, it's just you got to. They have no practice, so it's just you're practicing in the game when you're trying to put something different in there. So I yeah. think that is an issue too, honestly. Like yeah, I feel like is. in the past, whenever they do have a practice, they just they play the game a little crisper, and I don't think it's helping them to never have a practice. Like I understand why they do it because they're playing so much; they absolutely need to conserve their energy but i don't know i think especially when they're in this stretch when they're at home i think they really should take like one day and have a full team practice because i think it would help them yeah, play like better. today would have been a really good day for a practice if it wasn't you know i guess they just said no ice whatsoever because it's gonna snow and it didn't but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it it just, as of right now i, like, I definitely get the feeling trying to come out but it will it's snow. Like what, what one of the main criticisms that I have of of the way they're playing right now is they're just so predictable, and it's you know I, I know that there are things that they would probably like to change or implement or adjust that it just they they don't have enough time in in morning skate to do it, and it's not something you can just sort of throw some video out and say try this. And well, it just, I. It's it's the execution as well. It's just that being that little bit off makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they need some repetitions to practice something, and um, that you know, it's just they, you know, they they don't have time to do it. NHL hockey happens so fast that you absolutely do not have time to think. Oh, well, here's here's the situation we talked about in the video this morning. I should do X instead of Y. You have to yeah, do that. exactly. <laughs> And I also think that's why they're getting in the areas to have great opportunities. But even Bednar said they're not shooting fast enough. And we know in the NHL, if you give the defense and the goaltender even half a second, they're good enough to be able to either see the shot, block it, etc. Like, it does make a difference. Right. I mean, the abs are so deliberate in the offensive zone. Like last night I was watching Los Angeles and, you know, it's like they're they're a little bit faster than than Arizona and, and they're definitely faster than than Anaheim. So you're looking at that and it's like the Kings guys were very good at one on one coverage. It's like every time an abs player had the puck, you know, it, it wasn't in real danger of losing the puck, but they weren't able to do something dangerous with it. Um, and, and as a defensive team, that's kind of what you want. It's just they weren't giving the Avs any time and space to move around. And that's 
it's kind of been the story over the last several games is is that question of is lack of execution just luck does it mean it's just going to turn around one of these days and I understand part of it it's like you have the puck you're the one shooting you're the one in the offensive zone something good's going to happen eventually but it's it's waiting for that eventually to come and I don't like looking at full team shooting percentage because it matters who's taking the shot. Like, does it matter if Belmare is shooting lower than his career average? Like, is that why nope. the Cavs aren't scoring? <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to look at the people who actually score. Like, yeah. guys, believe it or not, guys like Sod and Donskoy are shooting 24%. Miko, you'd think, okay, well, you know, he's part of the top line and they haven't really been as maybe is firing on all cylinders as they could be. He's at 15%. So if you look down the, if you look at each individual player, okay, who is and isn't converting and the two that aren't, I would say that you could, you could make the argument that they're due for a little upwards regression is probably McKinnon and Landis Scott. Those two are at like 4%. Landy's been very, consistent shooter over his career and we know ever since McKinnon figured out how to shoot accurately he's not a 5% shooter yeah but where is Kadri in this conversation I you know the funny thing about him is it isn't as low as you would think with all the chances he gets and his career averages have been all over the place so I, I think he's due for a little bit better but it's not as much as people would think I would. I'm very curious. Actually, I might look this up while y'all talk. I think I'm, I'm he's very at curious like to seven... see where Kadri's at. Not in shooting percentage, but in Fenwick shooting percentages, because that man misses the net like nobody's business. Yeah. I think he's at seven percent, which is a little low, but his career's been up and down. Yeah, I'm gonna look at this. And then, and... like, if you look at Landy's Landy's shot chart last night, you see he was taking a lot of shots in the slot, which is great. He missed three but... of them. From point blank, <laughs> miss yeah. the net. Like that right I, I think there's a there's a tell tells you that it's not just bad luck. I I think there's I mean I, I do think there's a couple things going on. I mean yeah, I, th there's definitely some luck involved. I mean it's like you score two goals on a hundred shots at five v five this week. You know, that's just laughing. You know, but. You look at some of the shots they take from dangerous areas, and there are a lot of guys between where they are and the goal. And I think that makes it tough that. to. Well, and I think that makes it tough to to pick out where you want to shoot it, and it makes it so you're just sort of trying to get it towards the net, which I know JB loves. But um, if your first shot isn't all that dangerous, it's not quite as hard for the defense to recover and either clear or recapture the puck. And then I and think I, the opposite happens too. And then they're also shooting straight at the goalie that can see it the whole way. Right. I think that's what end up ends up happening a lot because it's like they can't see it, you know, most of the net. Like I was watching last night and kind of just doing some math in my head i i think the avs block five to ten of their own shots every game and that's not and really it, a, 
and that's not really a yeah. stat that's reflected if you block your own shot. I think it comes right. off as a miss, right? It depends. Like if it's a tip, that's a miss for the other guy. You know, it's it's a miss for the guy who tipped right. it, but it's not a miss for the guy that shot it. Right. Um, but it's like if if you know if Sam shoots from the blue line and hits Nuke in the back again. Um, <laughs> you know it's like what is that i don't even know what that would be is that a, you know is that a block but they don't credit it to a player on the other team or you know is it just not even a shot it might not even be a shot um but it's like you know you see that like if you're shooting and hitting your own guys a lot that's something you it, it's a shot selection issue so and um, i think this season yeah uh Nazem Kadri's got a Fenwick shooting percentage at even strength. He's got three goals on 70 unblocked shot attempts, <laughs> which is about 4.2%, something something in that area. And last season, this, this number was 9.3%. A Fenwick shooting percentage? Yeah. Wow. I mean, a 9% you know, a nine Fenwick shooting percentage is, is pretty righteous. It's really good, yeah. Yeah. So, the tr- truth you imagine is probably not a 9.3%, um, but it's almost definitely not a 4.2 either. Yeah. And I think the defense uh. is a big part of this too. Like, obviously, having the dynamic ability of a Makar and to a lesser extent Byron, but they need that for the way they want to attack. But also, as I've noticed, for the whole season is they're not getting a whole lot of production from the defense outside of Sam. Like Graves had eight even strength goals last year that he has zero this year. I think he just got his fourth point. You know, they were getting a lot of those assists from Graves and Cole last year. And I, Makar's production has been, has been in line for him, but he also only has one goal. So if you're talking about what, isn't necessarily maybe working with the offense. I think some of it does come down to the defense part, partly what they're missing, but also partly they're just not generating that second layer that they've had in the past. Well, and, and again, I think some of that goes to that. The, the opponents know that the Avs want to do, you know, sort of funneling shots to the net, get the rebound, whatever. Um, and they're just not allowing the point shots to be as dangerous it's it's much harder for graves or mccarr or sam or whoever to get the puck that close to the net like they were last year um just because you know that they're just it's it's easy for the other team to just stand in the middle and clog because that's pretty much the easiest way to foil the avalanche so i just want to emphasize um before we move on from this as my dog comes in over here for attention and makes a bunch of noise um that this is why i hate the word luck um when it comes to talking about percentages i prefer variance a lot more um because there are things that go into it that, don't, that have shit all to do with luck like how, yeah. how long it takes you to, to get the shots off or whether you're hitting the net or not i mean some some of that is going to have a little bit of luck to it but some of it is also just going to be you have zero practice so you're making all your adjustments in game and that's going to take time to even itself out and it's going to look like that luck ironing itself out when really it's just you getting more comfortable with doing things in a different way um so yeah there's there's so much that goes into it you have five guys on the ice trying to do something you have five guys from another team trying to do something right like it it's never one thing but i don't think it's a sim- 
Bolt is saying, well, they're shooting a ton and the puck's not going in, so it's just going to go in at some point. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's tough. All right, you know, think about, like, at a TV timeout, Bednar can't say to the guys, remember what we did in practice, you know, we need to do that in this situation, yada, 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 because it's like they don't have practice. So it's like he's trying to describe, like, I need you to take this guy and take this route and then shoot from here. And, you know, it's like trying to talk to somebody about what they need to do physically on the ice is just not even close to referring to something you've actually done in practice, right? It just it, it it's so much harder to coach that way. But we can... and let's be real, Arizona and LA is not like Vegas too. Like when you hold Vegas to fourteen shots, might be a little different. But that, but this is just all just to say we can we can talk about um you know the the shooting coming around with time not as a luck thing. It it that does not have to be a luck thing for the variance to go the other direction. Yeah, I mean, um, I think they're going to have to do something for it to change, but it, it's not like they have to do a lot, but it's just... It's just hard to do you know, what, even a little. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, you like starting from the standpoint of you figured out how to have the puck. That That's a good thing, but it's how do you put the other pieces together again? Well, let, let's talk about how they got to that point, because apart from Sam Girard and Devon Taves, who have been pretty unreal... Uh, Colorado were putting three AHL defenders and kind of a tweener in Greg Pattern out there and allowing pretty much nothing. How are they doing that? Oh, he's an AHL defender. <laughs> oh, he's he's played up and down. Like they've they're right now they've got Renouf and McDonald and somebody else who that's it. Yeah. Yeah, who are AHLers full stop. Um Pattern has played up and down. Which the funny thing is, is I'd say he's been the worst. Oh yeah, McDonald. Yeah. That's the funny part. <laughs> McDonald has had his rough moments, but he's definitely been the best of the three. Yeah, and it. it I I think it's kind of cool to to see that. You know, I'd like to think it's because of his style. I, I like to think it of it. You know, he fits in better than the other guys because he's a good skater. He's offensive minded. He has some puck skills. Um, you know, it's like. He just—he's inexperienced, so he's going to make some blunders, and you know that—that's sort of when when his his game goes south. That's kind of why it is. Um, but he's an interesting test case because of his age—he's twenty-eight years old. Like, yeah, he's certainly NHL inexperienced. He had like one or two games coming into this year, but he's also played for a long time. Like, he isn't inexperienced at the pro level. He's an inexperienced just playing hockey wide so i guess that what i'm saying is i i don't know how much like improvement you can expect from maybe those deficient areas other than any nhl experience will help anybody but yeah but i also agree like he does enough good stuff where he's certainly a better fit than some of the others that are just really trying to hang on the, yeah, the it's big like he difference... seems able to deal with the pace. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's the important part. Yeah, I I put that slightly differently, which is he just does stuff. He does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's not like a black hole out there. It's like thing the, the game progresses while he's out there. I just find it's funny. Like every night, it's like, oh wow, you know, Donald's up there, or like, oh, he's the one that took that shot, and it's just also like he played forward like a lot <laughs> so, <laughs> so when he gets to that offensive zone he the switch comes on and 
And this wasn't like a, oh, he's on the fourth line, haha, forward. Like, no, he was on the second line with the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> but it does give you an interesting sort of hybrid type of player. I have, in general, enjoyed what he's brought. So I'm not, like, saying all this to pick on him. It's just, it's who he is. <laughs> yeah. And and who he is 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 just good and fine, and he may be may be able to turn this into a you know a low low money NHL deal. He's also signed for next year. Yeah. So trade piece because he doesn't. There, there's not really that much room for him in the Avalanche roster when they when they aren't losing a player every single game anymore. I don't well, know. He, I, I still like, think it comes down to between him and Timmins. I think if you're going to, you know, the Avs love carrying just one sub and, and he is the perfect guy for that. Cause you know, like Jackie said, he did play a lot of forward last year with the Eagles. So if you have just Jacob McDonald as your extra guy, um, right. Like he know, could play forward. If, if anyone goes out, you're going to be fine. It's like, he can play on the fourth line or he can play defense and you know, not look bad. And that's harmful to Logan O'Connor. To which I say, carry another sub. You'll well, be fine. yeah, carrying two would be nice. I also think at this point, McDonald would have to be waived to go to the taxi squad. And you say, when we're in an era where we're seeing guys like Jake Gardner get waived, and I'm sure no one's going to pick him up either. No one should be worried about Jacob McDonald. But this is the Avs. They always think when they have their found money, like when they realized Graves was NHL capable, they didn't want to waive him again. Same thing could Come up for McDonald if, knock on wood, they're ever, ever healthy enough for that to matter. But it's just something I, I don't point th- out. I, I don't think it will be. <laughs> you know? Well, we'll see. Maybe not. Then then he's going to be in the lineup the whole year then. If, if they never get to a point I mean, where I think... all the six are back, then he's going to play the rest of the year. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying I don't know if people really quite have realized that yet. And then is yeah, he I mean, going to play I, over Timmons? I mean, he's been yeah, that's, better. That, that's the bigger question, yeah. Is, you know, <clears throat> what what do you do? I, I mean, I don't think either has a point, do they? Um, I mean, it's like you can't really point to one and say, like, this guy produces, this guy doesn't. But now, McDonald has two goals. And Oh, really? That... Yes, <laughs> you don't remember that? Yeah, he has Oh, yeah, yeah he does. Two goals. Okay. I don't know if he has one um, one other point other than that, but at least that. And no, Timmons doesn't have a point yet. He sure doesn't. Um. So yeah, McDonald good, um, but Renouf pattern bad. Um, and the Avalanche are still just absolutely controlling game start to finish. Um, they definitely yeah. try to limit Renouf and pattern though. You, they're still not really playing more than 10 minutes which is that's really low for a defenseman but you know i don't blame them either i don't think they should play more clear that bednar just he knows what's happening when they're on the ice i don't like them together that's a no. little scary and i think that <laughs> them in the arizona series i feel like they try to do that a little bit less last night but that also was a function of getting into a fight <laughs> also seemed like of the pointless variety i don't know maybe I never saw really what led up to it right beforehand. Yeah, if there they was didn't... like a reason, or if it was another one of those like, oh hey, why not? Kind of fights. And Renouf is well, a decent fighter. Like as as the rosters 
currently constructed, he's probably the one, if someone needs to go take care of something, I would probably pick him. But then you're also down to five defensemen when you're <laughs> already overworking Sam and Taze. And I also didn't like it when he got in the fight after the abs just finally freaking scored. Like, you don't need to change the momentum, please. Yeah, I mean, I, it it did look sort of pointless, but they, I don't know, they they tried to make it sound like there was something going on that had led up to that for, for more than, like, a, a few seconds, but just no one could catch it on camera. I, you know, I, I guess we'll probably never know, but, um, I you right. know, I don't honestly think losing him for five minutes is that bad, except when they put Pattern right on the ice without him, I was just like, oh, man. They did use pattern a lot in that five minutes. It was like, uh. Renew's been okay. He's generally been like the warm body. Like, he's been fine. He doesn't make that many mistakes. There's no ceiling whatsoever. But if you need a few warm body minutes from him, he's okay. Pattern has been more to the bad side. He makes more mistakes, which is disappointing because he's the one that has actual NHL experience and has been on an NHL roster for That's a funny period of time at some point in his career. Yeah, because Pete and Moser are like big strong all over the place about him. And it's like, that's not his game. Like, Pattern is basically an offensive defenseman. <laughs> um, well, it works know, like... in the AHL because he can actually yeah. get his shot in the net in the AHL. Like, I've actually felt, because the worry is when you send guys that have been in the NHL a while to the AHL, some care and some do not. And I will give him credit. He went down there and he immediately put in effort. Like, Connaughton, it took him two months to find one shred of effort. But Patteron, he showed up and he gave effort right away. And he did. he has helped that team. So I yeah. hope the plan is just to send him back because he helps the Eagles and he does not help the Avs. It should be like pretty cut and dry here. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles need him pretty much because I mean, defensive core is very inexperienced. But I am surprised that he looks less polished than Renouf and McDonald. I mean, you would you would not expect that one. Renouf's game doesn't have a lot of room for polish. <laughs> That's true, but he's he's done what he can. I will give him credit for that. He's living the dream. I mean, <laughs> he had one NHL game before this season. You know, he's an AHL lifer. He's won two Calder Cups. I mean, we're um, one step away from Burroughs. Like, and that's it. After Burroughs, they do not have an NHL contracted defenseman left. However, we do have hope that Byron's getting close. God only knows with Makar. And then there's Gilbert, who is, I'm curious to see if they are going to want to play him instead of Pattern, Renew. I'm sure not McDonald at this point, but no. Like, does he get a, another chance or are they going to send him to the Eagles? I mean, if, if the whole he hasn't played thing matters to them, he shouldn't get a game because he hasn't played. So if that applies to guys like Prospects, that should apply to him too. But then again, do I really need to see more pattern? Like, would you want to see Gilbert in there instead of pattern if, I, say, he's been cleared for the next game? Assuming Byron's not back, which I think there's hope, but 
it always takes a little bit longer than you hope to. I, I mean, I think Gilbert was a, a, ahead of those guys in the hierarchy at the beginning of the season, and they generally don't change that. So, I mean, if they have <laughs> eyes, Gilbert was not good. No. Well, I mean, those guys aren't good either. Um, no. I mean, maybe, uh, I maybe, maybe. Ren- that- I don't know. It's like I, I think Renoff has probably looked better than he has. Um, I don't think I, I wouldn't say Pattern has. I think that's fair. Um. So. But I, I think it's also, I, I, I think it's, it's something you have to show players that they're not going to lose their job from an injury. So I mean, I do think they have to give them a chance. I think that only applies to certain people. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it, I don't. I mean, what are they going to do? Like send them to the AHL for a few games? Yeah. Why or? not? They can call it a conditioning step. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even need to, like, because he's, he's on, on an ELC, ELC, so he's waiver yeah. exempt, so they could do whatever they want with him. Gilbert's on an ELC. Yeah, yeah they might. Yeah. What? He he came out of Notre Dame, played there four years. Oh, okay. I didn't. These are the, the these contractual details are the are the things that we start to to talk about, and my my brain just starts humming. And I focus on that instead. The, the, it's okay. You I either cannot. want to remember that kind of stuff or you don't. Like yeah. it's perfectly yeah. fair I don't, to people that don't. For me, it helps me not like... things straight. Like try to guess what they're trying to do. Like if you kind of know what they can and can't do, then then you could see what they do is gives you an idea. Because you know, trying to follow and cover the abs is like across between like a crime scene investigation and like blues clues so whatever information (laughs) that you can retain that helps you try to figure out what the hell they're trying to do because no one else is going to tell you is pretty much why i remember all that stuff yeah and anytime i actually want to think about it i can just open up cap friendly and there it is yeah and like you know pete and and those guys that you know they call the the ahl guys or or you know, non-roster <laughs> players, young, but you know, it's like it's, Gilbert yeah. is actually a, a little bit young. He okay, sure. He'd be fair. He'd be fair. You you cannot call somebody that's over twenty-five years old young. You just you're not doing it. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, it's it's good to kind of get into some some specifics on each of these defenders. Um, but what. A, what we've been teasing here is talking about how the avalanche are limiting shots and uh, we're taking a very roundabout way to get there, which would not be the first time we've done something like that. Um, but basically the conversation um, that, that I want to get into is kind of the continuation of what we started talking about between the Arizona and LA games where, uh, you know, Colorado spent a lot of time with a, a forward high in the zone and uh, that allows them to help, with the back checking and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I, and it also, it also helps keep the puck in the zone. Um, if you have three guys high, it's a lot harder to, to or it's a lot easier to prevent zone exits. Um, my favorite thing was the first thing McKinnon did when he came back in that Arizona game was shoot from the blue line. Yeah. That was my favorite thing. Like, Oh, you had waited all week. Just, so you could shoot from the blue line. <laughs> um but i mean my whole 
sort of broad view of of how the Avs have been playing this year focuses on that they want to keep the puck in the offensive zone rather than letting the puck come into the neutral zone and reload and and try to get a few more rush chances and and be neutral zone warriors like they were last year. Um and I, you know, I, I think their results as far as shot metrics reflect that. It's it, they're keeping the puck in. I, I think they actually keep it in so long it doesn't do them any good anymore. Um, you know, like you see these shifts. You know, they they have the the shift clock on Sam and and Taves sometimes. And it's like Sam's been out there for like a minute th- forty three, and the whole time it's been in the offensive zone. It's like that's great, but it's like you need to switch out. You know, it's like you need fresh players in there. It's like it's it's just as tiring playing offense as it is defense. This is where missing Bo and Kale is going to really hurt them because I mean, that that's who your fresh legs are coming in off the ice who then take a lap around the whole rink, make one pass, get it back. And now they're in the face off circle, taking a shot. Like that's, yeah. that's what like, you're missing is that, that one too, with all the injuries. Yeah. It's like, remember back in the day, back in the, in, you know, the, the good Soderberg lines when they would cycle the hell out of the puck for just endless time. And you would switch out the D and you'd switch out Nieto and, and whoever for more forwards. And it's just like, you would create a situation where, you know, it's like you had the puck in, in the offensive zone for a couple of minutes and you would inevitably, you know, draw a penalty uh, or maybe even score a goal. You know, and that, I, I think that's kind of the thinking of, of the way they play now. Um, but it just it's it's a little bit harder switching out the D when you've got your good D out there. And who like, are you going to switch <laughs> Sam out for? Graves? Right. It's like, you Pattern? don't want to throw Renouf out there. You don't want to, you know. <laughs> like, Which is why we won't really be able to tell until they get some semblance of what they want to try to do with their defense back. Right. And, and we may get that this season. Which has an an opposite <laughs> statement as well. <laughs> like these these injuries are alarming and really like making a sucky season suck more. Yeah, it is. It's been a little bit better the last few days. Knock on wood. But it it was seriously like six games in a row. Someone else would be gone after that game. And it That's- and we still have half the season left to go. It's like. You feel like some of these guys are close. They've been on the ice. They've been skating. So you know at that point they are legitimately getting close. But then it's also like what's when's the other shoe going to drop? Like there's something else that's going to happen. So yeah, we don't I, know. We don't know if we're going to be operating with half a defense the whole rest of the year. We who, who knows? They're certainly yeah, not going to tell most- us. <laughs> most most teams have been dealing with this. Like Montreal has been extremely lucky. Like I think Ben Sherratt just broke his hand or something like that, and that's their first major injury. Um, you know, I, I think that they had man games lost like less than ten for a long time. Just to translate but, that for I mean, for most... Avalanche fans, Ben Sherratt is week to week with an upper body injury. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but. You know, I I think on the whole, like the the Avs obviously have it worse than most teams, and and that's just sort of the way it happens. But you know, a lot of teams are dealing with a lot of injuries that are, you know, making things tough, and and COVID plays into that as well. 
Speaking- well, the teams that have had a stoppage or have had games canceled, I think you could see the ones that have been playing with a compressed schedule, they're the ones getting getting it a lot more too. Like, didn't Montreal actually have a whole week off at one point a couple weeks ago? Oh, like, yeah, they these... get weeks off all the time in the North Division. That's why they score right, so like, much. Some of these teams <laughs> actually have time off. Maybe they actually practice. The Avs, yeah. no. They <laughs> will not have time off. They do not have a consecutive day off for the rest of the season. And God knows what else is going to happen. So it's but just they a also, of... like Vancouver's played 31 games, I think. It, it's at least 30. And you're thinking about that. Like they played, what, six, six more games than the Avs right now. So it's like some teams have been playing compressed early. And maybe, you know, maybe that's going to benefit a team like Vancouver down the road because they're going to have like two and three days off between games for April or something like that. Well, Vancouver's going to need all the help they can get. Um, They always do. Um, Which is why I feel like this this season is about just getting to the playoffs, like get it, get in the top four. It's straightforward. You just want to be top four your division. I think I said this last week. It. With it stacking up, that it looks like it's going to be Minnesota, St. Louis, and Vegas, and Colorado, it really doesn't matter. You're going to have to be two out of three of them to advance. Sure, it would be nice to have home ice advantage. Maybe it doesn't really matter if the Avs never have fans and the other teams do, but, um, you know, this season should be about just getting to that point, then take your shot in the playoffs. Like, I think it's craziness to really think of, like, this is their chance. This is their only time in the window because they're going to lose Saw. They're going to be a worse team next year. I think that's it's crazy. They get somebody every offseason. Like, they will figure out how to bring in someone else. Like, Saad is not the cherry that's going to put the abs over to win the cup. And then when he's gone they're just going to start declining. Like, is, like, is next year everyone going to be like, oh, well, they already passed their peak, so whatever happens now is whatever. Like, absolutely not. Every single year is going to be, this is our time, this is our year, we could win the cup this year. But it's like, don't chase it. You have the team you have. You're good enough to be a playoff team. You're good enough to beat these teams. You beat every single one of them. And we'll see if you can win a series against them. Like, that's what this whole year is about. And so yeah, I mean, that it, is the ele- elevator pitch for the trade deadline. Yes, the trade deadline uh, we, is awful. I hate it. I hate it. I know everyone knows. I hate it all the time. But if this this year is the one that you want to blow, the ask the little assets that you have left that are expendable on in a season where you're going to be always injured. It's such a compressed, insular environment that you're only playing these teams. Like for all these reasons, if this is the this season that you're gonna blow it on because there and with so many unknowns and variables, then you're wasting your time, really. You're wasting your assets. Yeah, just I I I don't think this team is as good as everyone thought it was going to be. And it, and you can make the, the injury excuse for a lot of that, but it you know, they have injuries every year. I mean, this is always gonna happen. Um you know, not they, like they're this, not. Though. There's still well, considerable anchor weight in the forward core. Well, we'll yeah. see if they they don't even care. I mean, well, it'll be interesting to see how they think of replacing a guy like Calvert and Bill Mayer because I think both of them have taken a step back. 
and it really should be their Not last year on the team. <laughs> <laughs> if they give Calvert the Colin Wilson charity retirement year, it's a mistake. Like, if you love the guy so much, then make him a scout or something, or put him on the development team. Like, he can be part of the organization. Everyone loves Calvert. It, they should make love him a player him on the coach ice. in the AHL. <laughs> Give, give, give him Mark Rycroft's job. Give him Ryan Tobler's yeah. job. <laughs> um, but if if your uh, season goal is make the playoffs, Colorado are one point out of second in the division. Um, they're also they, like they have a three point cushion on on their fourth spot, and they have games in hand against both their um, you know realistic competition. Obviously, that position could change by the time you hear this show because the next game is a Sunday afternoon. So who knows? It's good that they got one against LA because then no matter what, they they will remain ahead of them. Yeah. And, after this series, and and the the lead in the division for regulation wins is twelve, and Colorado has is one of those teams that has twelve. I don't think missing the playoffs is something that that we can really foresee. I mean, obviously, you know, it's like if, no. If, if Mac and Miko are out for any period of time, you know, that that may be, become a little problematic or, or especially Grubauer. <clears throat> um, but that that would be about it. But it, it, there's nothing they could do to fix any of that. You know, it's just that you can't go buy a new McKinnon or a new Grubauer. So, uh, well, no, you can't. I remain convinced that if Grubauer does go down, they have some sort of insane panic trade lined up because for Carey Price. No, I'm sure their version <laughs> of the panic trade. But yeah, it, it's it's going to take something like that for the for who the playoff teams are to change. I think for sure. Um, yeah, it, it would be a shock for any of these central teams or Vegas to drop below the line at this point. It would take yeah. something massive, and if anybody, it's going to be St. Louis getting swapped out for yeah. LA. But that's what I was gonna say. Like I, I could see LA really coming on and St. Louis continuing to nosedive. St. Louis is still weird. be our big surprise. And we, haven't, and we haven't seen them since the first series. So I don't really have a great handle on St. Louis. Like for them, is it just the injuries too, or what is it? So and I don't really like sit down and try to watch St. Louis either because Oh, that, I don't that's at all. that's not fun. Why would you do that? <laughs> Again, if you're so... not having fun, what are we doing here? <laughs> but the one thing that's changed since the beginning of the season for St. Louis is they gave Jordan Bennington a $6 million contract for six years. Woohoo! To, well, to which I said, I think... they did what? To who? I think Grubauer just said thank you, though. Right, and that that's a little bit rough for the offseason. Well, I, just, I don't think... I, I, I mean... Bennington's younger, so there's that. And he's won the cup, but I don't think we're that far out of the ballpark either. I don't think money-wise, but I do think term-wise. Term-wise, yeah, but he's giving term to a goaltender just makes you want to throw up. But this is this is next season's problem, frankly. Um, yeah. This is not a thing that the Avalanche are concerned about right now. Maybe, maybe Joe and the agent are doing Joe and the agent things, but they're not. This, this isn't the concern right now. Um, yeah, let's let's move on to something else. Um, let's let's move on to the NHL, um, putting in you know a, a new TV and streaming deal, which is not going to be exclusive next season. So yay for that! Every single game is not going to be on wherever NBC 
Danes to stick it because NBC Sports is dying. Um, ESPN <laughs> is going to have a, a lot of the streaming. ESPN is going to have a lot of the games. Um, so your 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 subscription that has Disney Plus and Hulu on it, make sure it also has ESPN Plus so you can watch the Avalanche next year. I, I wish I, I understood more about, and I realize we can't until the, the second partner is, is announced and finalized, but um, I, I wish we got a better handle on you know, how they're going to replace NHL TV, because that does sound like what's going to happen. You know, is it something where you can get ESPN Plus and that's basically going to be your NHL TV minus probably the other partners' games? Um, but, it, you know, ESPN Plus is a pretty good deal just because, you know, you, you get your... <clears throat> um, you, you get a lot more... Uh, than just the NHL for it if you're in other sports, and it's only five bucks a month. Yeah, it's a really good deal money wise, and presumably, I'm not, I don't have an ESPN Plus subscription yet, but presumably the audio is in sync. Can you yeah, really confirm nice. that? I I watch a lot of uh, tennis on ESPN, so you know I, I use their stuff all the time, so, and it's and the audio's good. It's not like NHL TV where between like when the commercials are running, you have you're hearing PK Subban's voice say that that's a goal over like Matt Duchesne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I'm kind of approaching this new deal from a different standpoint. Like I'm happy the league is going to make more money because. It doesn't make me mad when the league makes money because it's supporting the sport that we all watch and follow. So more money is good, and we're going to yeah. need more salary cap one of these lifetimes too. <laughs> so that could also be helpful. So I'm happy that they got the steal and then they get a secondary one. But, I mean, for me, I would rather just pay for one thing and have everything rather than trying to figure out okay, how many of these different streaming packages do I need? So you're going to need ESPN Plus, you're going to need Peacock, or whatever the hell they come up with. Freaking that Peacock. would be annoying to me. Like, keep it all on one platform. If it's not NHL TV, it's going to well, be I mean, annoying that's... to split it up. Like, if you just want to... if It's cool it's on ESPN Plus because you're... It's going to be available for all the other people that subscribe to it for other reasons. So that's cool. But for... It's annoying just for fans to have to... What if you have to have three different subscription services to watch the, no, watch I, the team I don't that you think follow? It'll be, I, I think it'll just be two. I think it'll just be ESPN and the other one. Now, obviously, for, for local subscribers, you're going to have to have cable and, and altitude, but... <laughs> and is that <laughs> still going to work for the people that love to travel via VPN to whoever? Like, I don't know. These things annoy me. Maybe it doesn't annoy other people, but it's not. But the other thing is, it's not relevant to me because I'm in market. So all of this yeah. stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. And, you know, I get that that's not something the NHL controls. They don't control the whole regional broadcast rights, which is complete bullshit, is what it is. But until that archaic, I don't even know if it's a rule or a or who could get rid of it exactly but it's stupid that they've given the rights to the regional broadcasters because there's really no such thing as ratings and things like that anymore it's way less important than it used to be 
So for me, it's status quo, which either... okay, but all right, I, I'll I'll show you something that's that's actually going to be different, and that's how NBC deals with the games. And let's assume that NBC is going to be the other partner because that's probably going to be the case. Reasonable assumption. Uh, right, like right now, you can't buy the NBC online package for money. <clears throat> And with Peacock, you probably will be able to. That's, again, an assumption. Um, so it's like games that are on the NHL network, which nobody can watch unless they're, you know, you have the NHL network on your television. Which I do. Right. But a lot of people don't. Um, but NBC Sports games, it's like you can't, you can't just buy those on the internet. It's like you have to have NBC Sports channel. Um so it, just for you know it's like i get all the game all the avalanche games on nhl tv except the nbc games which i you know i, I couldn't get until i actually subscribed to the channel um so <clears throat> and and that costs 30 bucks a month basically so instead of paying that 30 bucks a month i'm going to pay for peacock which i i don't know how much that is that's going to be, but it, it, it's going to be less, and it, that means there's only two places I have to deal with to watch games. I don't know if those exclusive games that are like those considered national TV games are going to be something that you can just watch streaming. Like those rules are still going to apply. No, I think they're. The rules... I, I think the NHL really wants to make it so you can watch any game streaming if you want. I hope so, but right now we're speculating about details that we can't know. Right. So I'm happy that they've done it, but it's just not going to change anything for me, which is fine because status yeah. quo, whatever. Yeah, what needs to change for you is for regional broadcasters to not black out fans. Um, that's really what it needs to be. For If blackouts ended, then this would affect everybody. Pretty much. So another league-wide little little tidbit of news that came out from 31 Thoughts this week was that apparently the players are having a good time playing each other twice in a row, and they would, are kind of interested in continuing that moving forward. Yeah, um, I like it. It cannot work in a normal season because you're not going to play Washington back-to-back. Like, well, if you they can't do it, to... you can't do it with the opposite conference, but you could but... do it with anyone in your division, or maybe a, a team or two from your, you know, like the, with the ABS yeah. from the Pacific division. Yeah, and and as soon as someone said that, the the idea of having one offs with everybody else and then series within division, that's hype as hell. I'm into that. Yeah, I think that's cool as hell. Yeah, I, I want to <clears throat> see what they mean by more division games. Like, I don't. I want to play different opponents. Like we need a break. We need to get out of our, like, I think we play our division too much in a normal year. So I hope that they don't take away like those Eastern conference games. If they want to play more they... in division games, they could reduce like the Pacific games to, to just two, one home and one away for those. And then because we play them three times. So that would be eight games that I guess that they could re add into our own divisional schedule, which would be okay. So I see what you're saying. Like the only team you even play twice at home would be your division. But, and I haven't, yeah, I, mean, if... I haven't minded it from the, the standpoint of it's easy to think about playing a team in a series. Like it, it doesn't bother me to play them twice in a row. Like you're four times. You start to get really sick of that team. Yeah. yeah. Four is too much. But 
I don't mind thinking of like, okay, this week is this series and then the next one and things like that. But also, we have seen the abs have split every single series this season except for two. So if you want more series games, you're asking for more splits. And then now, if you do I'm, in I'm division, di- you're going to get a lot tighter division because of that. Now, not that I want to shoot you down on this, but I have it as they've won three series, lost three, and split four. And then they have the orphan game with Minnesota. Well, I'm not counting like loser points. They have literally okay. won and lost. All right. That's fair. They, they swept San Jose the first time, and they swept Arizona the first time. Other than that, they have literally split one loss with, in every single series they've played. Well, they beat Minnesota, too. No, because then when you add in the orphan game, okay. it's a split. But then that's not the same series anymore. Like, okay, so then they lost. So then you want to count the orphan game as just the lost series because the, it was a one game and they lost they it. They should because they lost so bad in that game. <laughs> it should. Count I mean, if you want to like think of the orphan game, okay. the orphan game is just not a series. It's just a game. <laughs> it's just. But a they game. lost it. <laughs> they sure did. The, and if they'd won it, it wouldn't count for this conversation either. Like what? Yeah. It's just it's not a. But series. no, I get, I get, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Is that it's, it's gonna it's going to make an even Steven league even more even Steven. And I I think that's fine in division. I don't think it, I mean, it's obviously not going to affect like, you know, how we play the Eastern conference or or probably even the teams in the Pacific. Um, You know, if it makes your, the division records much closer, you know, I think that's, that's, that's kind of chaotic. And I think the NHL would want that because you've got more teams in at later end of the season. Yeah, and, and it's like the the home and home series are pretty cool, but I, I I would much rather see teams that don't have to deal with the second game after travel. Yeah, you know I think I think that would make for better hockey. And isn't the point to not to cut? I mean, really, let's be real. The point is also to reduce travel. It's taxing on the players. It saves yeah. money. If you can have a team come in and play them twice. I agree. It makes sense. Like, why not? Less air travel yeah. is good for many, many, many reasons. Yeah, especially for the Western Conference teams. Just be careful what you ask for, especially when you expect to be on the higher end of the standings. Compressing everyone into the middle doesn't benefit you. Now, I know you just told me to be careful what I ask for, but I am once again asking. <laughs> If there is anything in the AHL to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, well, I'll take. I got to take a pass so. on this one. Yeah. Okay. Well, the good news is Martin Cout has returned. Hey. He is. He declared himself fit to play, and, and he did. lo and behold, he, he played. <laughs> he announced it himself that he was back, and he was. Martin Cout is his so own he- PR. Yeah. <laughs> so um so it's been one game. You listen to this it'll be two, but I w- did watch it. He was back in the lineup. I thought considering that he hadn't played in over a month, he looked pretty good. Like he was really involved in the play, really involved with the puck. Maybe a little rust with the puck, but like he's done. He's done with the AHL as far as I'm concerned. Like he's done what he needs to. Pretty much that team is just 
and they don't okay it's funny that the problems that they have are like the same problems the abs have so when you also want to say the abs are just (laughs) (laughs) in this pdo sort of tsunami then it's hilarious that the eagles have like the exact same things happening to them they're just way less talented they're one of the worst scoring teams in the league. They have the worst power play in the league, less than seven percent now. Oh. But they outshoot their opponents. They play sort of the same defensive style. They have not even an AHL quality back end, so it's very similar that they're trying to overcome not having defensemen that are talented in that league, and the and then. They are playing Cow Bowers and Foodie a good amount, so I'm happy about that. But Cow comes in and he are, immediately plays more than Bowers in every situation. So that might give you an indication that he might even be an option before Bowers. Of course, they're all not an option before like five other veterans. Uh, but they're not calling up Shane Bowers. <laughs> um. You know, I and think also they, they... they lost a few guys this week too, right? Oh, well, they just sent Henry and Lewis and Barron to the ECHL again because they don't matter. So No, they they lost Miner and Mutala. Oh, okay. They they had to go back, yeah, to the WHL because their seasons are starting. Yeah. Uh, Mutala's will start sooner, but Miner has to do a quarantine, so uh they and kept Miner was basically their best goalie, so that's that's a little rough too. Yeah. And and Werner, I guess he's irrelevant to a lot of people wondering, can he ever play instead of Miska? And the answer is, well, he's started two games now. Uh, I'll be curious to see if he starts this game uh, today on a back-to-back or not. Um, it's hard to say. He's been really hung out to dry. I know, he's never been good on back-to-backs to begin with. Nope. <laughs> he's been really hung out to dry, but I also wouldn't say he's he's done anything that's going to impress anybody. Well, like none of the other guys, I mean, this team doesn't score. And if you're pretty much saying the only way that you guys get an NHL career is to score, well, <laughs> uh, good luck with that because none of these guys are ever going to score. I think Tynan and Drys have been very, very disappointing even for AHL standards. Tynan is like a, almost a two point per game kind of guy in the AHL. He's not even at a point per game. Drys has zero points since he's been back in like a minus seven in three games so those two are (laughs) are uh are hurting and then those are the guys that cow bowers and foodie play with so if those guys ever score it's because they're gonna have to have a great individual effort but i think they've all played well bowers does when watching bowers and cow together and on the same line bowers definitely plays a quieter game than cow like Cout has the puck and does more with the puck. Um, but Bowers almost never does anything wrong. He's good defensively. He's smart. He's always where he needs to be. But if you want him to have the puck more, he's got to play center. And then Foodie's just still a miracle. Like the way that that guy can pass, and he's the best playmaker they've had in years. So it's going to be really, really depressing when he's gone. But that's pretty much the AHL. Nobody scores. And. That's the end of it. <laughs> yeah, nobody scores in the AHL anyway. Definitely not the Eagles. <laughs> Definitely not the Eagles. They're trying to go under two goals a game at this point. So let's do stars and scratches at the NHL level. 
and then get the heck out of here. Um, Colorado, two wins in three games, scored all the goals in every game. Who are you happy with? Miko. He seems a pretty pretty much a constant on the star list. Um, he's the only guy who was who had three points this week. Um, you know, I I think I, I'm not saying he's carrying Mac, but it, it you know you could interpret it like that at times. Um, just because McKinnon has four thousand assists and no goals, and, and Miko's scoring goals a lot this year. <laughs> Miko handed him that goal. I know everyone yeah. thought it was like. So amazing and heartfelt that Miko gave him that goal. <laughs> and like, okay, I see why he did it. But 99% of the time, you're trying to win the damn game, score the damn goal. Because we've seen guys miss. Yeah. It happens. And Miko really did make a really nice play to push that puck out of the defensive zone and chase it down. And he, yeah. he had a couple of at least semi breakaways in that game too that all either went wide or got stopped but he was creating a lot in that game it seems like Is he it... kind of starts quieter but he comes on stronger at the end of the games and well, that's and, that's what they need <laughs> and, and just to take a, a, another bit of a broader view on things it, it's sort of comparing what miko looked like last year with his injury issues uh compared to this year uh you know it's like he looks a lot more like he did two years ago when he was just dominant. Um, and that's, you know, that's really good to see just because it, it was so troubling to see him struggle all last year, just because, you know, he was such a good player and it's like, you almost never talked about him last year. And, and then, you know, that sucks because he's fun to talk about. Yeah. You forgot about just how good he is. Like he's top tier. Good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm always down with giving Nico love. I guess I want to say Nuke. I'm trying to remember the exact games that he got his points in, but even if it wasn't this week, he is still on the beast mode train. Like, that guy is playing hard and with confidence, and he has shifts where he's just like a wrecking ball everywhere. He's just forechecking, getting the puck, crashing the net, and then when you see him get those Nuke breakaways, it's always fun, even though doesn't quite convert them all the time, but not like he's the only one on this team that doesn't finish. So. I think it's really interesting that his renaissance has come while Comfer has been out. <laughs> Isn't that curious? Um. <laughs> what an interesting correlation you've noticed. <laughs> As we all know, correlation doesn't equal causation. Right, but isn't and there's that a, a lot of other things? <laughs> there are a lot of other things in play here, but it just that's yeah, that's a guy he's sort of been tethered to a lot of the year, and <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fascinating. So, um, with apologies to Philip Grubauer, um, because it takes an, a preposterous amount of focus to go to see twenty shots in an in an hour, and, and still have the focus to stop NHL shots. So he's. With, with apologies to Philip Grubauer, I'm going to let Sam Gerard and Devon Taves share mine because right now they are the defense. Yeah. Yes. And the Avalanche are playing otherworldly good defense. So there you go. And Sam got a point on the overtime goal. So that was, that was nice to see on um, Landy's overtime goal. So it's nice to see him continue racking up the points. Even though certainly his impact is a lot more than points. I think he played, what was it, 29 and a half minutes? 
it was one of the Arizona games, probably the second one. Yeah, because it went to overtime. I don't so know. That's... At, at some point, we're going to have to just replace <laughs> the time on ice stat for, for Sam and Taves with a lot. A colon yeah. lot. If he's at that point, I do want to see him just get that 30 once. Just a, it's like a milestone. <laughs> but uh, well, if the Avs have one of those never-ender playoff games, he, he's going to be an hour candidate. For yeah. sure. Yeah, they just... They need those guys so much, but Sam, because he's he's the only one that can really m- make things happen right now, and and uh, they're they're leaning on him. I thought he did look a little tired at the beginning of the game, but he always seems to get things get it together. So when when playoffs yeah, and, do come, I hope they get their fruits and crap because they're gonna need it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Taves, it just you, you go back to the you know the last or not summer, but whatever when the trade happened. You know, just imagine if we had Zadorov in, instead of Taves, and, and you know that's not really trying to cut on Z, but it's just that's that's not the kind of whole role he could he could play, and play this much and 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 really excel at it. You know, if you're playing Zadorov this much, there's you know you're you're just going to have to deal with a lot more mistakes. I mean, um, we certainly would rather have some of the others that are playing. Like sure, Z is playing well for Chicago, and he is getting a lot of minutes. So it's not to say that like. He yeah, wouldn't that's have been a, I mean, useful it's a... NHL defenseman. But obviously Ian Cole would have been too, and we all know why they made that trade, and I still co-sign it. But but yeah, to think of getting a guy like Taze, like that's the kind of guy they wanted in their top four defense. And it the miraculous thing is that they found that guy. Like it's so hard for anybody to find a top four defenseman. Not only that, to find one that fits so well with what they want to do. It is a huge credit to a, the scouting, but two, how on earth did they even get that deal? Like, because yeah. there should be a, there should be like a 31 thoughts type of story to that one, which I know if you're, I know Lou and Sackick are never talking, but someone has to get to the bottom of that one someday. Like, how, how do you even arrive at being able to get this guy? It's it's is, not yeah, I mean, that there's hard a good story there. It, it's it's not that big of a surprise when you take a look at the cap friendly page for the New York Islanders and where their money has gone. Yeah, they, but they, you just see keep... how desperate every single year so many teams are to just get a top four defense. Yeah, and why are the Avs I, the I, one that were able to get him? That's true. And we, no, I, I think it's honestly like to make that kind of deal for years. I think Lou was so grateful for getting Varlama. He was like, Joe, I'm going to do something for you here. And, and here you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe had like a free coupon, like call me first. We can get rid of somebody. I don't, I don't know, but he certainly does deserve appreciation. And he's on a great contract. It's not too long. It's good price for what they're getting out of him, which is why it's insane to me that people still think he might not be protected in the expansion draft. Yeah. No, he's he's, <laughs> he's like, a linchpin. That's happening. He's going to be protected. Like, if something goes wrong with the whole EJ thing, which a lot of this hinges on, but he will be protected. Like, the Athletic, they did this whole series where everyone did each team, and at the end, they made their expansion draft selections, and it took them months to do this. Taze was the one they arrived at that was going to leave the abs. It was like, <laughs> uh, 
Not quite, guys. Not That's quite. That's just silly. Try <laughs> again. So no, it's not just like crazy fans. Like this is what the athletic arrived at in their ex- expansion model. <laughs> so I am going to scratch the athletics expansion prediction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm also going to scratch Tim Peel. Um, <laughs> I think we see him again. Do we? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, if no one can fly in or out, maybe they're there for the second game. I That'd mean, be awesome. Back to back feel. They've, oh, yeah. they've been they've been talking all year about how the refs are going to be in the you know the, the division bubble. Like the, these refs will be in that division, and then that immediately didn't happen. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't know. Either. I don't look up, of all the crap that I look up on a daily basis. I do not look up the refs. That's just something that never seems to cross my consciousness. So, so I don't know either. Yeah, I can't uh, remember any of their names except for Tim Peel, so I don't really care. Yeah, I, I follow scouting the refs on Twitter, and they will tell you every day who's who has what game, and so you don't actually have to pay attention; it'll just be in your face. <laughs> and then you can just kind of go, "Oh, I don't know who that is," and that's what you want out of your ref. You don't want to know who your ref is, or you can that's go, "Oh true. my god, it's it's Saint Laurent." Uh oh. Yeah, it's true. The that's least the, that's you the other know, guy. the less you know about your refs, probably the best. Yeah. So any avalanche <laughs> players that are under the scratch for this week? I, I know I said him last week, but he's the one that comes to mind is Graves. And it's the same thing that's a little bit unfair because he's getting played more than he really should. And that's not his fault, but he's just had some really bad periods and he just has to be better. But I will also say that he's been so good on the penalty kill. It wasn't just the big block, but he's always good for like the very first clear. He's they definitely need him on the penalty kill, but he has to be better at five on five, especially to start games. Like he's the one that is right in the middle of a lot of these breakaways and cherry picking and getting burned and turnovers in the defensive zone. So as I said on Discord, nobody needs Kale McCarr back more than Graves. It's not because they're going to play together. It's because he's going to play a lot less. <laughs> and that will probably make his life a lot easier. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Jonas Donskoy uh, just because he had a really good week last week. And I was really impressed with the way he was playing. And then this week just came up. He's been eyes. sneaky bad. Yeah, like yeah. he hasn't played that much. I think he played ten minutes yesterday. Yeah. I don't think it's been a whole lot more in the the other games. He's definitely getting as as one would say lost in the rotation. Yeah, and but it, for, uh, for good reason. He's a very streaky player, and it just like he really works. You know, he can make like I saw him make a really nice dangerous pass the other night, but that was just about it. You know, it's like he. His forechecking's okay. His puck recapture in the offensive zone's good, and you're just you know you're not going to see that in the stat line. So it's like that stuff that you know it's probably not showing through. But um, like defensively, you know, he's bad defensively. Like he's he has breakdowns, and and he is one of the more productive guys this year. Like you look at his points and his production, it it's been there, and he's, he's shooting like twenty four percent. So he's not in the PDO tsunami with everybody else. Well, he didn't even shoot zero this week because he had no shots on goal, and that's that's kind of <laughs> where I'm having a problem with him. It's just yeah, you know, he's got a good shot, percent. right? He's got a good shot. He can produce, and it's just 
And he goes you know, in the black hole like Comfort does. I know. Right. And, then he's and it's not like, I don't mind the no goal thing. No one else is scoring goals. But <laughs> if you're not getting shots in this offense, then like, what is the problem? Well, if you're also not good defensively, like you have to, if you're not scoring, you have to fall back on something. And if you're one of the worst defensive players on the team, that you're not helping. Yeah. Um, but it just, you know, he he's a I like Don Scoy and, and I know he gets a lot of crap for being over overpaid and whatnot. I, I do think that a lot of times he does contribute things that that people don't notice, but it's just you know, this this was not a good week for him and they, they could have used a little bit more. Yeah, I, I still say that Don Scoy is who the Avalanche and some people seem to think JT Comfort is. Yeah. Um, I think some people think Confer's even better, but Don Scoy at least does find points every once in a while. So yeah, it, it's a it, <clears throat> like a, excuse me, like I said earlier, like it's amazing how much whether a shot goes in or not affects how dangerous you think it is. It's amazing how much better you think your players are when they have good memes about them. <laughs> like when when we started the eight seven seven goal now thing, like that he's still writing that hype in, for a lot yeah. of people. And it's been what, like three years at least. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and that's no, not to say that it's sleep. wrong to have fun and love your players. It's just that if you're yeah. making an honest assessment of how of how good he is, you can you can see where that bump came from. Well, to try hard, if we're gonna name someone else, I think like Calvert. Like we all no, love to was, try hard. He was brutal this week. Yeah, that's we that's where I'm gonna scratch it as Calvert is because he's been brutal this week. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm gonna scratch everybody on the Arizona Coyotes who thought it would be a fun idea to rough up Calvert's head on his first day back from. Uh, they say yeah, not a concussion. It's like what the fuck are yeah. you doing, dude? Yeah, that was cheap. And I just I don't think they're a better team with Calvert. Like he's not good on the penalty kill. He's nowhere even close he, he to and Bill Mayer are just killing yeah. that bottom of the lineup. Um and it's I hate it because like like Bill Mayer is such a good guy. You know, it's like every time he speaks, you, you know, it's like you know, he speaks very well and and he really gets his points across well. And, and he can tell like he's, he's just a very good presence it. in the locker room. Yeah. yeah. He just but enjoys just, everything. But on the ice, it's just the time has come. He's he's just not He's just not effective at all. I think Calvert falls into that boat too. Like oh, everyone yeah. loves the heart and that he's willing to go into battle and he's like beelines it for the corner, but he's just nothing's he's happening. One assist. Yeah, he has one assist the whole year. And and, just... and then both of them on the penalty kill, like they're better off with Nuke <laughs> and Jost and O'Connor. It's just it's time to turn the page and and like you yeah, said, like the, it's good they're in the room and they're around, but I just wish they didn't play every game. Like you're playing yeah, like four the, the times one PK a week. goal they gave up this week. It was yeah. because Calvert couldn't stop the Royal Road pass. Yeah, the, Broussard just right in. The only difficulty with not playing them every game is the Avs are struggling to maintain our roster without going over the cap because everybody's yeah. been hurt. So. Well, they're they're at least better with forwards now at this point, so there is some wiggle room. Like if Comfer actually comes back, which you know he's he has been 
seen and has he was at morning skate i think yesterday you're gonna have a legitimate question like do you keep o'connor in the lineup are you keeping jost in the lineup someone else has has to leave and i think calvert and belmare i don't think it would be disrespectful to say you guys don't need to play four times a week like that's a lot for anybody for guys that are pushing the end of their career that have had injury trouble I think it would be better yeah, I mean, if maybe but, they were a touch fresher for the maybe twice a week that they play. Yeah, Benar was asked something akin to this uh, in one of his press conferences this week, and it, you know he basically said it'd be really hard to take Logan O'Connor out of the lineup right now. Well, <laughs> right, but there's a there's a result to that. <laughs> there's another part to that. So yeah. we'll we'll see. It might not ever come up. Who knows? There could be another injury, and, and but at least on the forward side, it does seem like they're getting a lot closer to having to make decisions. And the funny thing is, Bednar did talk about load management, and I bought into it. But he just loves having the same lineup every single night. He will loves not it. do it. Loves his consistency. And, and it's just like I get it, but you also have to look at the fact you're playing four times a week. And these guys just are not as effective as they used to be. It's not like you're taking McKinnon out of the lineup for load management. You're taking out guys in their thirties yeah. that are, that might not even play next year. Like they don't need to be in there. So one last thing to just kind of mention as a thing that exists before we get on to next week is the, uh, the LA Kings have chosen not to practice today because everybody's sick. They say it's not, yeah, they that's say, not good. They say they don't think it's COVID related, but everybody just feels shitty today. Well, and again, it's there is a there is the flu even with COVID around. So there, there are other you... other diseases. It's true. And, yeah, and you did just get really roughed up by the avalanche, so maybe you've got a pride injury. Yeah. Well, do they? They're playing back to back, so they're they're playing early. I don't know. I mean, they could say that they chose not to play. One thing is the snowstorm, but I mean, they could, it hasn't really hit yet, but it could have been part of their planning. And two, they play early tomorrow. Now the game's been changed to three 30. They have to fly out. Then they play at home Monday. So, I mean, why would you necessarily really want to practice before a traveling back to back? Yeah, I don't know, but apparently they had a a practice scheduled that was then canceled because everybody's, you know. But then one other guy tweeted they did do off-ice workouts, so if you're looking for, like, okay, maybe they really are trying to, like, bunker, then they wouldn't necessarily do that, but who knows? We'll find out the truth. At least with the COVID thing is you really can't hide from it for too long because it has to be so public. Right. So that's not something you can really cover up. So I guess teams could try, but, like, what's the point? Like, why would you come out and lie and cover it up when it's just going to come out like three hours later anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so just a thing that's happening is the Kings are sick. Cross your fingers. Pretty much. Next yes. week, uh, Burgundy Radio is going to be on vacation. This is this part of the schedule. Uh, it's, it's it's absolutely dreadful. We, we knew it would be, so we kind of planned ourselves a break for it. So coming up tomorrow afternoon, the Avs finish the series with the Kings. That's moved to 330 Mountain to try to get the Kings out of town afterward. Um, enjoy y'all snowstorm here. It's just trying to get hot, not succeeding yet, but it's trying that game's on NBC Sportsnet. on Tuesday. We get one more game against the stupid Anaheim ducks, seven o'clock mountain. And then we get the, in my opinion, overperforming Minnesota wild on Thursday and Saturday. 
That's a matinee on Saturday, which will also be on NHL Network in addition to local channels. The following week is a Monday, Tuesday back-to-back in Arizona against the Coyotes again. And then finally, on Thursday, 25th, Colorado will get another crack at the Vegas Golden Knights. Game two of that set will be on Saturday at 1 o'clock Mountain. So, eight games is probably too many to predict. Uh, Let's just talk about what's coming up, because I, for one, am weirdly more excited for the games against the Stupid Wild than I ever would have expected. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Kind of looking forward to those. This, I think yeah. they are legitimately decent. Yeah, this, like I think uh, I think I, Avs fans need to start taking them serious because yeah. they finally figured out skill. Yeah, this this Kaprizov dude been, is good at hockey. <laughs> that's what they've been missing forever and ever. They still have decent defense, goaltending, structure. I know their shooting percentages are up there, but they pretty much have the exact same record as the Avs. Home and away, same number of games played. They have one more point because of a loser point. Like, if the Avs fans think you're contenders, you cannot write off the Wild for basically performing the same as this team. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good comparison just because, you know, we both had our COVID incidents uh, caused by them. But, um, you know, we're, we're at the same amount of games played, which is, you know, a, a slight deficit to a lot of teams in our division. So it's like when you're looking at Minnesota's record, you're, you're it's it's a lot easier just to compare it directly with the Avs. Um, you know they're they're good. I I I didn't really see them being this good, but I didn't really study them that much either. Oh, again, a lot of that is this Kaprizov dude who I I I don't obviously I'm not following Minnesota Wild prospects like. Blah, blah, blah. So he kind of comes out of nowhere for me. I don't know if that's what actually happened. Oh, he's he's been talked about for yeah. He's been it, hyped. It's for been years. a thing. Like okay. he's been really really good in Russia. It's it's a whole. It was a whole saga to get him over, but but now he's, he's over the, and he's tearing he's it up. He's been on the top of these top prospect lists. He's a little bit older. I think he's like twenty three or twenty four. But oh, he's a young guy. That. He's oh, a yeah. young guy. No, they actually drafted him. He was like a fifth-round draft pick. They just took a flyer on, and they didn't really pay him that much attention. And then it was like one or two years later, he absolutely blew up in Russia in the KHL. He was like a star on their Olympic team. And it took him to get through three GMs for anybody, for him to like buy into what the Wild were. Well, their last GM was (laughs) talking about trying to sign lizard people. Can you blame him? Like the the first one, he just wasn't even, I don't even remember. The first one pissed off Kaprizov, so he didn't even talk to him. I think the second one, what was it, Fenton? I think he at least talked to him, but um, it was finally this third one that, that like flew over and, and wooed him and wined and dined him and got him to agree to come over. Um, and his ELC's up after this year, so good luck, Wild. But anyway, he's. it's nice to see somebody that's been hyped that comes over and and makes good on it, right? And even though we don't want it to be for the wild, I also like to see Russians succeed because a lot they're kind of treated like you know what happens in Russia is just completely irrelevant. And it's nice to see when guys can be talented over there and be the real deal. But anyway, I think he has made a a difference to them. That's what they've always needed was somebody with dynamic skill. Yep, he's. Really a, a critical missing piece for them. And I, I do think they're going to slow down a little bit, but it's not like they're not good. Yeah. They should be in the playoffs, like like I said. The, the four seems to be obvious. LA might be the 
the spoiler, but these four teams should be back. Yeah. Ve- Vegas seems pretty firmly in that one spot unless Colorado get their shit together and steal it. And then it's between us and Minnesota for two and three and St. Louis and LA for four. That's how I see it. I do. I, like I said, I haven't seen enough of St. Louis and we played them the first series. So I don't have the greatest handle on their situation, but I think St. Louis shouldn't be written off either. They, they can pull it together and be good for stretches. St. Louis so. can get in the bin. <laughs> well, not that I enjoy that, but I just, every time you feel like, okay, they're finally done. Like we're done with St. Louis. They, they've hit the peak. They're on the downswing. They just are not. So anyway, the, if we're talking about the week upcoming, you just, it's the same story. Like, if you can sweep a series that helps the standings and put distance between us and that team so much, but it also seems like it's asking a lot to sweep a team. So just everything is going to sort of fall into that playing 600 hockey type season they're having and which is good. Just stay above 500, but I just don't think they're going to make a whole a lot of progress in the standing. So just keep up that pace. If they could put LA away, that that definitely gives them room from LA being a little bit of a spoiler. That would be nice. And then Arizona, we do seem to play well against Arizona. So a sweep would be lovely for many reasons. But uh, yeah, I just hope we can figure out how to score when we get there. And Minnesota, that probably should be a really good series at the end of the week. I think it's kind of uncool. We have to play the Ducks again. Uh, yes. <laughs> Are that we one Ducks game? Are I we done know. with them I mean, yet? No, they're not. <laughs> it's funny because they're not good. Like it should be like, oh, okay, we're gonna play a bad team, but they're like the worst bad team for the Avs to play. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's... not fun to watch at all. <laughs> it's such a stylistic <laughs> mismatch, and it's so bad to watch. Ugh, anybody but the Ducks. I don't. So yeah, it just uh, you'd love it if you can beat LA, but Minnesota. That would be lovely. I don't know if that's reality. They're going to split with Minnesota. They're going to need goals because you could probably get through LA and Anaheim with with the way their offense is working, but you're going to need you're going to definitely need Byron back by the the Minnesota games. Now what, and going to need somebody to put the puck in the net by then. Whoever's on your roster, you're going to have to open it up a little bit against Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to yeah. commit to offense. Um, yeah. And then keep an eye on that back-to-back against Arizona. We'll see which goaltender starts. Yeah. Yeah, Werner's got to play better if it's going to be him. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, we'll, but we'll see which goaltender starts. It's going to be Miska. And we'll see it, won't we? You don't, you don't think <laughs> we're just going to turn on Twitter one Monday morning and feel like, Franco's is on the ice. Like, you don't think he's just going to make, like, one of these days, he could. Frank's going to be back. He's just going to walk out onto the ice for like <laughs> pregame skate one day. And it's going to be like, wait a second, that's Franco's. <laughs> with the Undertaker music just blaring. <laughs> uh, 
And they'll be like, what? We just said he was he was out for a while. And, and he's not out anymore. There you it. go. He's fine. <laughs> we and didn't then, say he was out all season. That's what Bender's going to say. Well, we never said he was out for the year. Like, okay, thanks. And he's going to come back and put up three shutouts in a row. <laughs> what a boss. And of course, we get the Vegas Golden Knights to wrap up everything. And then we'll be back in your ears after that series. I don't know what day we're going to record yet. We could record the day of the game if it's awesome. I don't know. We'll see. But we'll have that Sunday free, which is when we usually like to record is on Sundays. Not on Saturdays like this one, because it's a little bit awkward for y'all to listen to. But recording on a weekday is just not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. It's tough. Um, so, you know, some people have work and schedules that do not align very well. And other people have life schedules that don't align very well. So recording during the week kind of blows. But we will record on the... We're going to take next week off. We will see you in two weeks. Um, if if you're in, if this, this part of the schedule really, really sucks, and it, I cannot recommend enough just taking a step back and, like, watch the game if you want to watch the game. But if you need to take a step back, just do it. It's just hockey. You're going to be fine. Uh, we will see you in two weeks, and hopefully we're going to have a lot of returning defenders to tell you about and how awesome they're doing. Please. Yes, please. And you want to right. do that anyway, because if you have a dumpster anywhere near your house, people find it and just throw shit in it. Like, the first night I had it, I walked out the next morning and there was a friggin', like, a screen door in there. <laughs> Come on, God. <laughs> And it's like nobody ever comes up my road. So it's just like, who the hell put that in there? That's funny. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's almost in your interest that you don't have it for long. That's oh, okay. That's, that's smart. <laughs> yeah.